You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Monday, June the 27th. Another bright morning here in TW11. Somewhat unsettled forecast for this week as we build towards the coral eclipse on Saturday, more of which later, but so much upon which to reflect in a really rich news weekend. When we left you Friday and the Saturday edition, we brought you the news that we teed up Friday morning that the end had come. For Gosden and Dottori. They were no more. In Gosden's words, it was a sabbatical. To the rest of us, it was a split between the preeminent trainer of the last decade and the most celebrated jockey of the last three or four decades in the UK. And the fallout from that has continued over the weekend with Dottori grabbing headlines at Newmarket by riding a winner for Rafe Beckett. Beckett, who was on the score sheet, of course, in Ireland by taking the Irish Derby with the unlucky Derby third, Westover, ridden by new replacement jockey Colin Keane. Again, more of that in a few moments' time. But perhaps the performance that elicited the most debate during the course of the weekend was the remarkable barnstorming victory of the redoubtable staying star Trushan in the Northumberland plate. He humped 10 stone 8, much of it dead weight because lightweight Holly Doyle was his regular partner. She was in the saddle on Trushan. How good was his performance? Well, there are differences of opinion on this. One thing is for certain, tying in all the strands of these stories, is that any racing fan, anyone who is interested in the business of how good racehorses are, or indeed the stories that we've just been enjoying, should pray for is good ground at Goodwood on Tuesday, July the 26th. David Yates from the Daily Mirror. Why? Because that means we can get Stradivarius and Trushan finally to face each other on a race course. The last few years, of course, have been littered by defections one way or the other. Um, it's interesting this, that John Gosden says he doesn't want soft ground for Stradivarius, even though you could argue his best performance came on soft ground when he was the 10-length winner of the Gold Cup at Ascot, what, three years ago now? Um, and uh, Alan King says that fast ground would see Trushan defect, as he has done uh, from Royal Ascot uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Didn't run in the Gold Cup, of course, and then didn't run in the Queen Alexandra Stakes either. So, as you say, Nick, every racing fan has to pray for the uh, going ass assessment to be straight down the middle, good ground, so that both these horses of very different profiles finally get uh, the chance to, to face off again against each other. And this, I think, would argue, um, it, it would settle quite a few arguments. Well, in all honesty, it has all been said since, since Saturday, an amazing performance, but I did want to make sure the horse was in, in, in good condition. Uh, Alan King, how's he come out of the race? Yeah, very well. I mean, he did lose a hind shoe and something just sort of caught the back of his heel, but he had nothing to worry about. And he was very bright yesterday morning. So uh, he's out in his paddock today and we'll, we'll give him a nice, easy week, 10 days, really. 
it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he was three to one favourite. Lots of people fancied him. He won. And then there was a sort of sense of disbelief that a horse can do this off that weight, off off that mark. Where do you sit on it in terms of a, a strict handicapping view of it and uh, how much of an edge just class simply gives you in a race like that? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I ran in there because I, I, I needed them sort of to get him out, Nick. He'd, be, he'd been ready to run for the last three, four weeks. And I needed to get him out. Personally, I thought he'd be finished in the first five or six. I would have been very happy with him. Um, so I have to be honest with you. While I thought he would run very well, I wasn't expecting that performance, really. So I suppose the key is, the numbers will say he's improved massively, not massively, but improved a bit, quite a bit, to, to win that race. Do you think he has improved yeah, again? Holly got off him at Nottingham early in the year and said, look, he's, he's improved from last year. And she, and she very much had that opinion on Saturday. And physically, he has strengthened up quite a bit. You know, he's a big, imposing horse now. Whereas last year, he was always a little bit light and a bit leggy. You know, so I, I think he definitely has improved. So we've teed this up this morning by saying we're we're all desperate for just good ground on whatever it is, the twenty sixth of July, so that both he and Stradivarius will line up in the same race on home soil. I know you dumped him in France at the back end of of last year. Um, What's the quickest ground you think you'd run through, Shannon? I'd run him in, I'd be, I would be happy to run him on good ground. Um, I just don't run him on good to firm. And it's not just a case that you're worried about um, risking him. You know, um, as a three-year-old, I think William Buick, Tom Marquand and Holly all rode him on good, good to firm. And he ran very well on it, but they all came back and said, please don't risk him on ground any quicker than that. So, I, you know, I've been an absolute fool to ignore those guys, you know? And is, is that because he... He wouldn't be his best on it either, Nick, you know? Yeah. And do you think that's because he's a big heavy horse? And it, and, and is that is that why? Just because he, he likes to just feel that bit so of give? good on soft. And you know those horses that really appreciate the soft, you know? They're not quite as effective on, on, on good, on fast ground. Now, I, I've read uh, Matt Chapman's son column this morning and he's spoken to one of the owners who said that he might try and persuade you to have a pop over, over hurdles with him again. It's been put on the back burner a few times. Is there any shot that he, that he has a go, do you think? Not at the moment. I've been mad to at the moment, you know? Um, I mean, he did, I did school him as a three-year-old and he was very good, but I mean, he hasn't seen a hurdle since then. But, you know, while, while he's this good on the flat, I think it would be... Madness to go something. It, I'm not sure my nerves could take it. <laughs> Alan King, there. Dave Yates, still with me. There are so many storylines here that are intertwined and interlinked. Dottori, Holly Doyle, John Gosden. How good is True Shan? What do we make of the Northumberland play? All of that, all boiled into one into one cauldron. Okay, well, let's let's deal with the last of those questions first, and just give us ninety seconds on the on the figures. Um, Trushan won on Saturday, carrying uh, the burden of ten stone eight pounds, a BHA rating of one hundred and twenty. He beat Spirit Mixer by half a length, and then there were distances of a length and a quarter to the third, and same to the fourth. So, it's likely that on BHA figures, I would think that Trushan will get a mark in the mid-120s as a result of that. And just to put that in a recent historical context, Stradivarius at his peak was rated 125. And 
Yates, the, the great four-time Gold Cup winner at Royal Ascot, of course that record still stands, was rated 122 at his peak. So I think many people would have been inclined to think that Trushan thus far has been the horse who benefits when Stradivarius doesn't turn up. Well, the figures at least, and obviously this figure was achieved by humping a big weight in a handicap, the figures will tell us otherwise. If we now broaden this into the human interest aspect of the sport, of course, this is hugely interesting. We expected Holly Doyle to be uh, front and centre of the headlines uh, this weekend with the Gosden Dottori split. Remember that uh, she was priced at 11 to 4 on uh, to be appointed the next stable jockey at Clarehaven. A clash on the 26th of July, as you say, would bring together Trushan and Stradivarius. No Frankie Dottori on Stradivarius this time. And Holly Doyle, the jockey who has not been appointed as the stable jockey to Clarehaven because John Gosden is going to pursue that policy for the time being of using the best available and not appointing a stable rider immediately. Then she is trying to inflict what would be a pretty high profile defeat um, on Stradivarius aboard Trushan. She's been defeated just once riding the Alan King train six-year-old. So yeah, it's, it's, it's coming to the boil very nicely. We just have to pray that we get ground which connections of both horses will uh, deem suitable for their charges. I'm just looking at the last few runs of, of Trushan and he's been remarkably consistent around about the high teens or low 120s on, on racing post ratings and time form reflect this as well. 122, 119, 121, 119, 122, 120, 118. It's a much higher mean rating of performance over time than, than Stradivarius. Stradivarius. Um, he recorded a 128 the other day because he humped top weight in a handicap. Uh, you, I, I won't believe the 128 until I see the 128 again, if that makes any sense. Uh, and, the, think... and the other the other point to make with that, of course, is that are we dealing with a regressive Stradivarius these days. Um, is this old fiddle not quite producing the, the, the good tunes that he once was? Uh, and so that is another, uh, wow. that, that's another jelly for the, for the number crunchers to nail to the wall, isn't it? Yeah, and, and okay, slightly less, slightly less um, prosaically, and, and one for you when you're writing about Goodwood, the story here is not about the fiddle, it's about the fiddler. And whether a, a, whether a different musician can can get the old old Stradivarius playing the same tune that he was a couple of years ago or when he won the won the gold cup of of 2020 by 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 many lengths and that of course will be hotly contested by owner Bjorn Nielsen trainer John Gosden and former rider Frankie Dottori who said that the old boy had you know had done his bit and he wasn't as good as he used to be and we yeah, might and that was out. the that was the root of the problems wasn't it that I think that or it was one of the causes of the problems I think that um both John Gosden and, and Bjorn Nielsen were, were unimpressed when Frankie said the old boy's legs couldn't quite do it. He went out on his shield um, and that they were expecting a bit more and hoping for a bit more uh, mea culpa on the part of the jockey. All right. So what for Dottori now, as we sort of take this down a gear and, and contemplate his future? You were at Newmarket on Saturday. That must have been an extraordinary day. Dottori came for one ride for Rafe Beckett and, and his friend Mark Chan, for whom he rides and has had a lot of success. The filly was called Le Zoo. She won the Empress Stakes very impressively for the man who also won the Irish Derby on the same day, Rafe Beckett. Give me a flavour of the atmosphere on Saturday and give me a flavour of Dottori's own mood. 
Right. Well, Dottori's mood, I thought, was pretty upbeat. Um, he was attended from his car to the race course by a, a jockey club minder. It wasn't Terry McCann. It wasn't, you know, um, it, it, it wasn't a former heavyweight boxing champion. Um, it was just someone who was there to, uh, to, to make sure that Dottori wasn't unduly bothered. And he was also escorted back to his car uh, from the race course by uh, the same person. He seemed in pretty upbeat form. We, we all know what Dottori's like. He is a man um, of sometimes extreme emotions. And I, I've been to the race course many times and I've been looking to speak to Frankie and sometimes he'll just say, not today, David. And you think, mate, I really need to speak to you. Not today, David. That's it. And, and you know that there's no point in persevering. And so Frankie had arranged to, to come and speak to about six or seven members of the written media before he took the ride on uh, Lazoo. He'd already spoken to Chris Dixon on Racing TV. He came out. He seemed in pretty upbeat form. Um, he delivered... What was almost a speech, if he'd had a piece of paper in his hand and just read the words out, um, the delivery wouldn't have been a great deal different. Um, it was pretty much what he had told Chris Dixon about he's not retiring, uh, that he's going to ride, um, as he did yesterday in Turkey, then uh, America and Germany over the next couple of years, and that he expects to ride the rest of this season and the rest of 2023, and then he will make a decision as to his riding future after that so that was what he said he was he was as i say he he wasn't um he wasn't the the dottori who won't communicate who won't come out um when he when he went to the paddock from the weighing room uh he was greeted by more than a ripple of applause an affectionate round of applause from race goers he signed a couple of autographs or or posed for a couple of selfies along the way and then of course when lazoo won he came back in gave a flying dismount and and it was palpable the affection in which he's held by the race goers at newmarket on saturday so that was what we got at the weekend um he talked about what he's going to do over the next few weeks and over the next couple of years. And it's evident that he's going to spend more time riding abroad. It's interesting that Kieran Fallon, uh, quoted in today's trade paper, said that uh, Dottori will clean up in America. He's obviously had success for Godolphin there in the recent past, and there's, there's going to be plenty more well, to come. I yeah. suspect that... I mean, I was, I was going to say that that this is a this is continuing a little bit of a motif that built up last year. Buick does not want to miss championship rides unless he's got a massive break at the top of the championship. James Doyle can't really do some of the weights in the grade ones in America. Step forward, Frankie Dottori, as Charlie Appleby will launch an assault on those races at Saratoga, Belmont, Woodbine, the Arlington races that have moved down to Churchill, big purses at Kentucky Downs. I can see Dottori riding a lot for Charlie Appleby in the US. Yes, indeed. I, th I think that that's going to be one of the, the his main strands uh, post-Gosden. I think one interesting thing as well, though, Nick, that I've been thinking about, and that is one thing that struck me during Royal Ascot was the, and, and you know more about this than I do, because I, I've never actually been to uh, the Kingdom of Bahrain, and, and you have on, on many occasions. But it seemed to me that there is an emerging group of young 
owners from Bahrain who were, were, were prominent at Royal Ascot. And it seemed to me that any one of those, given that, you know, jockeys these days are, and have been for a while, they're like designer handbags, aren't they? Owners like uh, to have a, a, a big name attached to their horses. And it seemed to me that just putting America to one side at the moment, some of those Bahraini owners, if you said to them, well, Frankie de Tour is free these days, would you like yeah. to sign him up as your uh, retained rider? Then one of those emerging forces would absolutely bite your hand off uh, to get de Tour's signature. So, there, you know, when, when um, stories like this break, we often have the the career obits that that we've got prepared about jockeys or or trainers or whoever it might be, and I think certainly in this case those are premature. He's fifty one, as I said to you last week. We've spent much of the last five years wondering and marvelling about how does this guy, this you know, Peter Pan figure, seem to retain his youth and his efficacy in the saddle. Well, that did go right during one week at Royal Ascot but I, I don't think that it's going to uh, be missing permanently and I suspect that as I say one of those young and emerging owners will sign the Tory up and I'm sure that there'll be group one winners in the uh, if not the short term then the the medium to long term over the next 18 months a couple of things just I'd like to wrap this up with um the first is is the word sabbatical well I think we all knew that when we read the word sabbatical shortly after eight o'clock on Friday evening that this this isn't a sabbatical. Our friend and colleague Greg Wood is granted a month's sabbatical every five years as the terms of his employment with The Guardian. But Greg always comes back after a month. He's in the press room. It normally happens after York uh, when he goes on his travels with his family and back he comes. Um, so the meaning of sabbatical in in our uh, our lexicon is that it's essentially a temporary situation um just canvassing opinion opinion at newmarket and beyond uh, during the weekend did anybody think that this was a sabbatical in its literal sense no we think that this is a permanent split and that Gosden might maybe supply Dottori with a, a few um, rides towards the end of 2023 uh, if if he decides that that will be his final year in the saddle, just to show that there are no hard feelings. But in the short to medium term, will there be many rides to Clarehaven, for Clarehaven? Any rides for Clarehaven? Then we suspect not. The other thing as well, just to round off with, was the, the 11 to 4 on about Holly Doyle to be uh, the successor of Frankie de Tory at Clarehaven. I think most of us chatting beforehand with absolutely no reflection on the ability of Holly Doyle, who is an outstanding jockey and worthy of a job such as that at Clarehaven. I think that most of us felt that uh, would would John Gosden be railroaded by um, by bookmaker-influenced public opinion to, to appoint a stable jockey that might not necessarily be his choice, but in that sense almost foisted upon him, then definitely not. And so I think that in that sense, it wasn't a massive surprise once the sabbatical had been announced that it was followed, that there will be no appointment of a stable jockey for the time being. If you were, if you were Patricia Thompson 
then you owned in Spiral, and Dottori was yeah, unimpeachable on, on in Spiral and had won two Group 1s on her, and you say she bowls up to the Falmouth next week. How, how comfortable do you feel that you've not got him and your options outside him might be limited, especially if they're one of their favourite jockeys, Ryan Moore, is, is taken, say, for a Coolmore horse in the same race? Yeah, very good question. And, and in Spiral is, is the potential fly in the ointment in, in this story, in that Dottori, as you say, has been unimpeachable, very good word, uh, aboard in Spiral. And, uh, you know, I think most of us thought that virtually any member of the weighing room uh, could have won aboard well, in Spiral in the Coronation, straight, uh, Coronation Stakes. And I, uh, suspect, I suspect that's right, but you still want a jockey of profile and standing on her, don't you? If you're... Absolutely. But the, the, the two best horses in the Gosden Yard at the moment are Emily Upjohn and in Spiral. Now, politically, Gosden... We, we, you know, obviously we don't have the, the ins and outs of, of what took place behind Clarehaven doors on Friday night, but it, it's, genu- it's, it's generally um, seen that Gosden is the person who's in control of all this. It, I, after all, it was uh, Dottori who was summoned to Gosden's place, not the other way around. And so if you then have a situation whereby in spiral the owners say, well, we still want to keep Frankie aboard this horse. That creates a very, very difficult problem for John Gosden. Now, you, you mentioned in Spiral, I spoke to someone whom I, I, I can't name because it was an off-the-record conversation, but they said to me, I think Frankie will ride in Spiral in the Falmouth Stakes at Newmarket. Now, that's a very big call because it's basically saying to John Gosden, right, you, you've been in control of this situation. You've been the one who announced the sabbatical, et cetera, et cetera. But you will not replace Frankie Dottori on the, the best horse that you've got in the stable at the moment. And I say at the moment because we know that Emily Upjohn was very unlucky in the Oaks and she might yet to she, she might yet prove her stable mate superior. But on ratings and that that thrashing that she gave her rivals in the coronation stakes in spiral is the best horse in in or the best filly in in clarehaven um so yeah that's that's pulling a rug from underneath john gosden's feet which i suspect he would rather stay where it is yeah he's he's surely too sure-footed he's he's surely worked out all these he's he's smarter than us he's gonna have worked all this out before before he's taken the decision to take a sabbatical hasn't he well, you would you would think that um, in the time th- th- this isn't something that this isn't something that blew up overnight, is it? Um, the Dottori's final rides before Lazoo on Saturday were on the 18th of June, i.e., a week last Saturday, the final day of Royal Ascot. So there then followed um, a period of a week before he returned to action at Newmarket. Now, during that time, John Gosden, and, and, and we reading between the lines, the talk of, of Frankie going to Sardinia before Royal Ascot. Um, th- this is something that has been on John Gosden's mind for quite a while, I think. Let's, I, I, think I don't think I'm saying anything particularly controversial in saying that. Now, if that's the case, then we know that Gosden is a, um, a highly intelligent, erudite man uh, who 
is very good at his planning. We can see that with, with the career that he's built as a racehorse trainer, five championships in Britain and that great success in America too. So the idea that Gosden has not thrashed this out with every owner uh, who would have a well, I'm sure every owner, never mind the ones who have got the good horses, I think is fanciful. So we will see. As I say, someone who would be pretty close to what's going on said that they thought that Dottori would keep the rider board in spiral. But I think as regards the rest of us, uh, the, the way that we're thinking, that opinion is, is swimming against a pretty strong tide. Well, between the two periods of, of Gosden... The man for whom Frankie Dettori rode the most Group 1 winners and still has ridden the most Group 1 winners is Saeed Bin Sarur for, for Godolphin. When for Charlie Appleby, Dettori sported those colours to win three Grade 1 races in Canada last year, he rather pointedly reminded me and others that he had ridden 100 winners at the top level for those owners alone. Bin Sarur is back after a fashion with some good horses this season. Chief amongst them is Real World, who's finished second to Baid in the Queen Anne and the Lockinge. He's in single-figure odds for this Saturday's Coral Eclipse, where he may very well face Native Trail for Appleby, almost certainly Bay Bridge for Sir Michael Stout. Representatives from that yard have confirmed to me today, and they think they will get Ryan Moore to ride Bay Bridge. And... Vadeni, the brilliant French derby winner for Jean-Claude Rouget, who's going to be supplemented today. So I posted a call to Saeed to see if he would field real world against those superstars. It's more likely fair to run him. I mean, he came back well from last run. Uh, I think a mile and a quarter would be better even for him. Um, he won before at Newbury, Malcote, he won last year in a listed race. Then I think the service is no problem for him. Then um, I'm looking forward to, to see him turn my quarter as in uh, Group 1 again in degree. I'd like to know your opinion, Saeed, on whether you think he produced a better performance at Ascot than he had at Newbury the time before. Do you think he improved from the lock inch to the Queen Anne? That's sure, he improved, but also it is stiff uh, a mile, the Queen Anne at Ascot. That's uh, so he, he, he looking for a further distance. That suits him better as uh, nine furlongs even better than a mile to me. You know that's what I show me. I know he's uh, as breathing he's, uh, he shows some uh, speed, but I think the mile and a quarter be better for him. And now I think he'd be fine for the the clips. Is he a horse that's easy to train? Does he take his training and his racing well? He's very tough horse. Always he does good. I mean, wherever uh, we take him as Saudi or Dubai, uh, any race. Before or after the race, he handles the race is good. And in the morning, he's uh, professional at uh, the way he uh, trains, and uh, there's no problem at all with him. Always he's doing good, really. Uh, and uh, do, you ha- do you have a rider booked for, for Saturday? Danny Tudhope rode him at, at Ascot. What's the plan yeah, for Saturday? More, more likely Danny again. Excellent. Um, I must ask you, there's a, there's a certain old friend of yours who's, who's rather available at the moment. Uh, a certain Frankie Dottori. Are you going to give him a few rides? Yeah, 100%. He's my friend. I mean, we are together last 30 years. You know, he's... Um, we all have together with the friend for all these years and uh, I'm told all to support him. So if he if he rings you up and says, you got anything for me, you'll you'll be happy to put him up? Yeah, why not? I mean, but... Um, well, leave it for the uh, close to the race. Saeed Bin Sarur there, predictably with support for his old mucker, Frankie Dottori but also positive news on Real World ahead of this Saturday's Coral Eclipse at Sandown Park. What a crackerjack of a race that is set to be. 
We look to that as one of our great Midsummer Showpiece events, all-aged clashes, David Yates. We also look beyond that to the King George and Queen Elizabeth stakes at Ascot. Sir Michael Stout will have Bay Bridge in the former. He will have his Derby hero Desert Crown in the latter. Desert Crown will take on the horse that would have been second to him with a clear run, Westover, who this weekend has won the Irish Derby in a common romp under new jockey Colin Keane. In a moment, I'll be talking to Rafe Beckett. Dave, what were your thoughts on the performance, first of all? Those of us who insisted after the derby, the Kazoo derby, that Desert Crown was the winner on merit of that race, I... It, it's given us something of a sleepless night, hasn't it, that seven-length victory? Because Westover was thunderously impressive at the Curra. Uh, remember that he had been the victim of of consistent interference pretty much between the two furlong pole and running to the one at Epsom. When he got out, he flew home. He was still beaten under three lengths in third place. A disconsolate Rob Hornby said afterwards that he felt he would have won the race. I thought at that time, well, I'm not so sure, but Westover on Saturday, as I say, was was thunderously impressive. Um, he scored by seven length from, from Pisbadil, the horse who didn't act round Epsom. I think we could probably say that Tuesday, say with certainty that Tuesday didn't really give her running, the Oaks heroine, who came home in fourth place. But yeah, he was extremely impressive and, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the King George. Remember that uh, Colin Keane replaced Rob Hornby at the Curra, and this was given, the reason for this uh, by uh, Judmont was that it was a, an Irish classic and he's the Irish champion jockey and obviously he's got the know-how of riding round the Curra. Again, it, it, as we said with Inspiral and Frankie Dettori, virtually anybody with a jockey's licence, I think, probably could have won aboard Westover on Saturday. But, yeah, very interesting in terms of the two Colts, that Desert Crown and Westover, the, the, the rematch at Ascot in the King George on the 23rd of July. It's, it's, it's going to be tight between the two one suspects in terms of the betting after the third at Epsom has come home and and won the Irish equivalent by seven lengths what will they do jockey wise at Ascot Nick obviously Colin Keane couldn't claim to be uh, on his home turf on the Royal Race course Rob Hornby perhaps isn't a name that is synonymous with success at the Royal Race course, but I think I know of a jockey who one could say that about. Right, OK, let's talk to Rafe Beckett then, uh, the trainer of Westover. Rafe, we'll come to the jockeys in a minute, but first things first, is the horse OK after his brilliant performance in Ireland? Yeah, he came back last night and uh, he was kicking his door down this morning for feed, so um, hopefully uh, coming days will tell us there's not much wrong with him and uh, we can move forward from there. Yeah, I, you know, I think I think it'll pan out uh, race to race. So wherever we go next, will tell us what to do from there. Um, that's the way I see it. Uh, nothing he's shown you has dissuaded you from from the King George. You're you're quite happy to to crack on with that plan for the time being. Yeah, I, you know, as long as as long as um, as long as the family and everybody happy with that plan, then. Then, uh, then that's the one we'll explore. Yeah. 
Uh, obviously, you've been asked this. I've seen it already over the weekend about jockeys. Are, are you quite happy just to sit back and let other people decide for you now? I, I think you know we'll, there'll be a discussion, you know, alongside where we run next with what with 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 what happens there as well. So, um, you know, it, it'll be what it'll be, Nick. Are you are you fairly relaxed about it? Insofar as you've got two riders who've done well on him, and it's unlikely to be anyone else, isn't it? I'm in the relaxed in the sense that um, our men see their role here as long term, and um, obviously Saturday does us all good. Do you have a preference or not? I uh, I'll, I will go with 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 the majority view. Okay, and Rafe, obviously in the in the jockey merry-go-round at the moment. Uh, the fact that Frankie Vittori rides a bit few and has done well for you and rode Lazou to victory on Saturday when he was very much in the news. Two and two make four here, and could he get on, on Westover, or is that a flight of fancy? There's, there's no story to be, to, to, to be told. Uh, you know, as I say, Nick, it'll pan out, uh, you know, in a way that fits everybody. How's Lazoo doing after her win? Yeah, she came out of it very well. She's surprised us all, really, uh, surprised us all. So, um, uh, you know, we obviously we thought she could win on Saturday, um, but I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't envisage her winning like that. And what's the plan for her next? Um, all being well, she'll go for the race formerly known as the Cherry Hinton. Excellent. Okay, so we we are where we were basically. All horses good. All in all in good good nick. You got anything for this weekend? Um, yes, yeah, Scope's in the listed race at um, at, Eps, at Sandown on uh, on Friday. That's a possibility. Is Scope in the Goodwood Cup? Yes. And so would this, would this be a, a potential stepping stone to that? That's the idea, yeah. Okay. Good that's the idea. He's no penalty anymore, so that's 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 where we're headed. That's the, that's the thinking. Yesterday, the Group 1 Pretty Polly Stakes went to the admirable filly La Petite Coco. It was her first Group 1. It was another feather in the training cap of Paddy Toomey, who also trained the third past the post, a filly called Ross Carberry. They'd supplemented the third past the post, Ross Carberry, for 30 grand. She was disqualified because Wayne Lord and the rider failed to weigh in. The correct weight was five pounds light. Now, this was complicated by the fact that before the race, the clerk of the scales had allegedly told Lorden that he was five pounds too heavy at 143 pounds, made him take five pounds out of the weight cloth, and he got back on the scales and weighed out the correct weight of 138.1. When he came back in, he was, rather coincidentally, five pounds lighter than the weight that he should have been at 9.7. There's either a, an error in the scales, it's either a human error from the clerk of the scales, or another five pounds has gone missing between the time that Lorden has weighed out and the time he's weighed in, if perhaps the trainer was rushing with the saddles or whatever, could a bit of lead have dropped out, we don't know. But um, it seems a strange case. Toomey was not happy afterwards. It'll go to referral and then it'll be appealed. Because the filly has carried 9.7, there's no way, or 133.5 pounds, there's no way she can be reinstated. But what could happen, Dave, if they prove that it's an IHRB mistake or a cluck of the scales mistake, do you think? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, if, if they were to prove that, then there are 
well, potentially legal ramifications, aren't there? I, I suppose in that um, Ross Carberry was disqualified from third place in a Group 1 race, and if she hadn't been disqualified, then her value would have gone up. It's interesting that she had been um, added to the race by the trainer, and that although she was a 40-to-1 shot, Paddy Toomey obviously was prepared to back his belief with hard cash that uh, she would she would not disgrace herself which she certainly didn't my my problem with this is is the the evidentiary one isn't it i mean how on earth are they going to sort this out as you say the um paddy toomey's version of events is that is that they were told she's five pounds that the weight is five pounds too much so they took it out and then when um when Wayne Lorden came back in, she was five pounds too light. It could be anything from uh, human error by the clerk of the st- scales, human error by the trainer, uh, I suppose human error by the jockey, someone having their foot on the scales or a glitch with the equipment. It could be any one of those uh, that is to blame. But how the hell do we sort this out in terms of evidence when it's re-examined? I must admit, Nick, I, I, I hate it when pundits do this, but I'm in the dark as anyone. I can't see possibly, I can't possibly see how they're going to do that. Okay, well, I'm not going to make any apologies for not really following the summer jumping all that closely, but there was a notable feat yesterday from trainer Ben Haslam because he trained three winners on an afternoon, all in the silks of J.P. McManus the powerhouse Irish-based jumps owner with his huge string across Britain and Ireland. I posted a call this morning to Frank Berry, JP's racing manager, to ask him whether this had been done before by a single trainer to train three winners for the the owner on the same afternoon. Anyway, he he went back through the the books, and in fact, it's happened a bit relatively recently. John Joe O'Neill did it in July 15, as did Joseph O'Brien, and Nicky Henderson did it in 2018. But Haslam doesn't have anything like the strength in numbers of any of those trainers. So it's a massive achievement to do this, uh, Ben. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, no, we were, we were delighted to get it. Um, it's my first treble, actually, which is, uh, um, it's taken me long enough to get it. So um, delighted to get it in that fashion. So you've trained quite a lot of J.P. McManus horses, mainly ones that have come from other places and need sweetening up for quite a long time. How did the association first come about? Um, certainly through my father um, and and AP McCoy. Um, he AP won on a on a horse called King Revo at, at Cheltenham um, one day um, and suggested to JP that he bought it and have a crack at the what, what was called the Juice and Novices Chase at the festival. Um, and um, sure enough, that that actually went very badly. It didn't go very well at all. We we, we made a horlicks of that. But off the back of it, typical uh, uh, in typical JP fashion, um, the gentleman he is, he, he he promptly sent two or three horses to Dad um, and said, don't, "Don't worry about that one. Have a crack. Have a go with these." And, and the rest is history. And there you are. Now you've got you've got quite a few for him. And and is is generally they're they're horses that need a bit of gingering up or sweetening up from other trainers who who might have been good and have lost their way a little bit. Yeah, the, so, so certainly the remit in in recent years, um, we've been very very fortunate to be sent sort of horses that are, are you know yeah, are of a good caliber and have been on a, a you know have been running in 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 you know, certainly festival races 
um, mainly obviously hand, you know, high end handicappers um, and horses that you know probably they they sort of towards the end of their career that they, they, they're usually between sort of eight and eight and ten, eleven, and and they are just struggling a little bit with the pace of either you know um, quality Irish handicapping or, or southern uh, English handicapping, and when they get to us, we, you know. We're obviously positioned geographically to sort of, you know, take advantage of, of, of slightly less competitive racing. And it all worked beautifully yesterday. Jerry's back is a pretty good horse. Did did that surprise you? Thirty three to one, but you know we've seen stranger things. Absolutely, yeah. We were delighted. He, he won at Cartmel, a veterans chase, um, which obviously was a, was of a decent standard. You know, he was rated one hundred and thirty two. Um, before he won that, and he—I actually didn't realise he was thirty-three to one. To be honest with you, uh, um, we, we we had sort of quite a lot of runners in quick succession yesterday, and the, the last time I'd looked in the morning or on the way to the races, he was twelve to one. So I was I was um, relatively surprised he was thirty-three to one, but he was no by no by no means a thirty-three to one shot. Uh, well, it's a terrific performance from from you and all your team, Ben. Uh, well done. I'd imagine there were a few celebrations last night. Uh, we had we had um, uh, a couple of um, well, we, we we were very lucky. We, were, we won some Louis Roder at, at Cartmel, and, and that didn't didn't last very long. Louis Roder at Cartmel. It's a box of ma- it's a box of matches at Leicester. I mean, Cartmel, Cartmel are leading the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, time for our weekly catch-up now with our friends at Racing Welfare. And it's an important one this week. It's always an important one. But we are now in the thick of Racing Staff Week, which runs until this Friday. Chloe Martin's the Media and Communications Officer for Racing Welfare. Chloe, tell me a little bit more. What, what is Racing Staff Week and what are we trying to achieve? Um, so Racing Staff Week, as you said, Nick, it's uh, uh, in full flow this week. kicked off on Saturday and runs through to Friday the 1st of July at the end of this week and it's all about celebrating everybody who works in the racing industry we know there are so many people so many different roles that keep this show on the road so the week is all about celebrating those people and um, thanking them for their hard work and dedication to our sport and it should be stressed it's not not just those who work in racing stables but across the entire industry that's right isn't it that's right, absolutely everybody. So anybody that works in um, yards, studs, race courses, all of those people behind the scenes um, that, that keep the sport running and in those office roles as well. It's about every single person that contributes towards getting a day at the races on. And we reckon there's, what, 20,000 people or, or so who work in, in racing or who make up racing's workforce. You've got some special initiatives this week. Tell me a little bit more about, about those. Yeah, sure. So this week um, we are running a really exciting competition. So the whole theme of the week, like I've said, is saying thank you and celebrating those people. So we really want the people um, who work in the industry to get involved this week. And we're running a competition, a thank you competition, where people can submit 30 second video clips, just giving a shout out to a colleague that really goes above and beyond in their role in horse racing. And there's a really, really good prize for this. So um, if you nominate somebody, 
you could yourself receive a £250 uh, shopping voucher as well as the person that you nominate. So a total of £500 in vouchers is up for grabs as part of that competition. Um, we've also got lots of activities taking on throughout the course of the week with a sort of well-being theme as well. But um, there's sort of sporting activities, rounders matches, quiz nights, some free um, fitness classes, I think, in Newmarket. There's just so much going on. So if anybody's interested in finding out what's going on near them, they can go to the racingstaffweek.com website and it's all listed on there. And there are charity races taking place at Newton Abbott and Doncaster on Friday. Big day for racing welfare at Doncaster, Friday the 1st of July, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So um, the Betfair uh, Clock Tower Cup takes place at Doncaster on Friday. There's also a Betfair supported charity race down at Newton Abbott as well. So there's 12 members of stable staff taking part in each of those races. And I know all I've spoken to quite a few of them, actually, they're so excited about um, Friday. Some of them, it's a real dream come true to be riding in a race. So really looking forward to that. And that is the sort of closing event of the week those two charity races just um sort of closing race and staff week this year with a bang all right thanks to chloe thanks to all my guests today david yates particularly it's been a very busy day dave uh, but you've got a tip for me to go home with Yes, we go to the 4.45 at Pontefract and it's True Mason, a horse who won his third start and then embarked on a 35-run losing streak, but back to winning form at Donkster last time on his first start for Declan Carroll. is now rated 69. Now, in the past, he was rated 109. Now, obviously that's stretching it these days, but he's still a six-year-old and if Declan Carroll has found the key to this horse, he is... a Dangerously well handicapped, I think is the phrase that's sometimes used. Number four, True Mason in the 4.45 race at Pontefract this afternoon. Dave, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. If you do enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends. And after that, please give us a rating and review us. Tell us what you'd like to hear more of or who, you, who you'd like to hear more of. Uh, we will be back again tomorrow, but that was Monday, June the 27th. Bye-bye. <laughs>